This is Learning Innovation, the teaching and learning podcast, also known as LittlePod. We are created by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation, located in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. In the spirit of equity, diversity and inclusion, and Nitsitapi Simstan, or real thinking, we play host to a spectrum of guests from the teaching and learning community. As we highlight and explore innovation in education, we hope to kindle warm conversations, expand perspectives, and foster lasting partnerships today, tomorrow, and beyond. The future of learning starts now. Okay, and welcome to episode number 51 of The Little Pod. Today we're talking with Liz Sirnagoy, Chair of the Nursing Program at Lethbridge College, and nursing instructor Danielle Akins. Liz and Danielle will be sharing about their efforts to reshape the college's nursing curriculum through a lens of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Welcome, Liz and Danielle. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for the invitation. So as a learning experience designer, I'm really interested to hear about your efforts in reshaping curriculum. Can you tell me about the heart behind this curriculum rebuild? Absolutely. So a lot of intentional work went into this rebuild of our curriculum. Some of this came from um, a curriculum process that started in 2016 when we were going for national accreditation of our prior curriculum. And some of the feedback we received from our accrediting um, bodies at that time was that we needed to think more intentionally about what our philosophy of our program was. At that time, the TRC, Truth and Reconciliation Commission, recommendations um, had come out. So we were also considering how to ensure we were doing this well in our new curriculum um, build process. So what we ended up doing was we developed in January 2017 a group of stakeholders coming together for a think tank about what areas we felt would be important to include in a new curriculum. Um, so really, we needed to go back to the, the building blocks of what we felt was important in nursing education. Um, so there was over 100 people in one room together at the University of Lethbridge, um, former students, current students. Um, kind of key contacts in the Lethbridge community that all came together to give us feedback. And from this feedback, we were able to identify that looking at Indigenous concepts, intersectionality, were core elements that we needed to consider in every year and every course of our nursing curriculum. So from that point in January 2017 to fall of 2020, um, a lot of work was done to look at our teaching philosophy, look at what courses would be offered in each year of the program, what sequence these courses would be offered throughout the program and on which campus, um, and then ensuring that those um, really important components of equity, diversity, and inclusion, um, and really important components of Indigenous health were threaded throughout all those courses and all the years of the program. We never expected to launch our new curriculum in the pandemic. Um, so of course, there was some, some new challenges that came in the fall of 2020 um, when we first launched that four-year curriculum. And just this past fall, 2023, we've launched our new curriculum for our after-degree students. There are some of the same courses built into this new curriculum for after-degree students, but there also are some unique courses um, that these students take. That's wonderful. That's, uh, that sounds like a tremendous amount of work has gone into that, but that's very exciting to see here that it's been launched and uh, progressing. 
Um, when did you realize the need for this effort and what did those early stages look like? So I feel like I've somewhat mentioned that this was a long time coming um, as we were working on our old courses and as we were going through the accrediting process, we were able to recognize that in order to do this work well, it really meant rebuilding our curriculum rather than just tweaking a few courses here and there. Um, we were concerned that that wouldn't um, meet the needs of future nurses, um, wouldn't meet the needs of Canadians and um, global citizens that um, really need that equity, diversity, inclusion um, within the type of health care that they're receiving. So for us, it came from, you know, some of our routine processes in nursing education um, in order for us to do this work well. Um, I think the next piece, too, is, is uh, although we launched a new curriculum in fall of 2020, we're always evaluating what we're doing and considering, is this going the way that our intentions had hoped, or are there ways that we need to continue to realign or um, reconsider these courses to make sure that they're, they're meeting the needs of our students and our, our future registered nurses? And were there other um, faculties or organizations that influenced these efforts? There were. So we worked in conjunction. So when I spoke about stakeholders earlier, um, we had Alberta Health Services, Covenant Health, um, a variety of organizations in the South Zone give us feedback, as well as, of course, our accrediting bodies. So both nationally and provincially um, that gave us feedback on sort of what was needed in nursing education for the future. And Danielle, would you like to add to, to that? Sure. Yeah, I just think when we are talking about nursing in general, just thinking of the different domains that we work in. So I teach in the clinical setting, but also considering that clinical settings affect academia, affect nursing research, and then affect public policy, that they really all work together. And so like Liz mentioned, it's been a long time coming. Um, healthcare changes quickly, but sometimes the change isn't always in the areas that we identify the need in as well. So one of those big pieces was EDI strategies and the indigenization of our curriculum. Um, and just seeing that in my teaching experience in the clinical setting and in the classroom is just these students and nurses who have negative or traumatic experiences um, related to um, equity, diversity and inclusion. And we really want to shape that and change that for the future. All right. Danielle, when you say indigenization of curriculum, can you expand on what that means in education? Yeah. So like Liz mentioned, in response to the TRC, we saw um, the disparity that there is for not only patients of our healthcare system, but also um, the lack of Indigenous student representation and faculty representation as well. So we really want to not only improve the experience of Indigenous populations in Canada when they access healthcare, but also see an increase in that representation from those groups as well and prepare students so that when they get to the end, they can respond to, for example, experiences of racism in a professional and thoughtful manner. Um, not that we graduate students and then they experience these real life situations and aren't able to handle them. We really want to equip them after graduating to be able to, to respond professionally and, and make positive changes themselves. That's wonderful. And it's such a, a huge topic area, um, what you both have mentioned. Um, I understand that you attended um, uh, and presented at a conference last spring about this work on reshaping curriculum. So um, I don't know if it was, was it 
both of you that attended? Yeah, I got yeah. to attend on behalf of both of us. Okay, uh, yeah. Can you share over. about this uh, conference and the presentation? Absolutely. So I got to fly over to St. John's, Newfoundland for the first time for myself and attended the Canadian Accredited Schools of Nursing Conference. So we call it CASIN. That's our a short form for that long name. Um, it was a gift to be there hearing from nursing educators and leaders across the country. The theme was anti-discriminatory pedagogy in nursing education. And I presented on behalf of Liz and my work in our Health of Families course that we built for the second year NISA students. And our presentation in particular was entitled Incorporating Meaningful Changes to Embrace Diversity in Health of Families Nursing Education. So both the curriculum and this course specifically were designed to promote and support equity and diversity with key concepts of intersectionality and deliberate introduction to anti-discriminatory concepts early in nursing education. That sounds really uh, like a wonderful presentation. Um, did you receive some feedback or what kind of discussion kind of followed that? It was really interesting, actually. I told Liz I came back kind of tired after taking in the conference and just it's emotional deep work when you start talking about this theme. And um, in our presentation, particularly strat um, shared strategies incorporated um, in our theory lab and practice settings to promote inclusivity and cultural safety um, lessons learned and like Liz said we're always in process and I do just want to recognize and and that our listeners know that we're two Caucasian females and we walk around with white privilege experiencing the world in this way and that's not everyone's experience and um and just the importance, and this comes from Indigenous culture, to introduce ourselves from who we are and where we sit in in a generation and in, within a family. And so even when I introduce myself, it's I'm Danielle. I'm a granddaughter of both Métis and Dutch settler grandparents. And, and that's where this work is coming from. But um, it was interesting because the dynamics at the conference were quite tense, where we had a panel that led the conference um, that was entirely Caucasian. And right off the bat, that was um, <laughs> a point of tension, as you can imagine, when we have nurses from across Canada with diverse backgrounds, um, definitely minority groups represented that um, have a lived experience as a nurse or a nurse educator um, or just a person in a healthcare setting or in community that has experienced so much firsthand lived experience racism. So it was, it was a, <laughs> a hot conference, but it was really powerful. Well, and sometimes that uh, leads to the best results when, when there is a bit of uh, messy tension. Mm -hmm. I agree. So um, you mentioned some of your takeaways from the conference. Are there other things that you'd like to mention? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one quote that we like from Rumi that sort of shaped our work is recognize that unlearning is the highest form of learning. And I think that phrase comes up a lot when we talk about EDI strategies that we're very much in process. We don't have it all figured out, but we are committed to that continuous learning um, ourselves and with our students. Um, so for me personally, one of my teaching philosophies is using story theory in education. And one of the takeaways was um, encouraging for me that story is powerful. So hearing stories and hearing stories from other educators and students and lived experiences from those in our healthcare settings um, was a takeaway that it's emotional deep work to sit in circle with elders, hearing from nursing students and educators and talking about big, heavy talk, topics like racism, but but calling it what it is. And I think for so long, we've 
skirted around the issues, but actually labeling it as racism was a takeaway for me. And, and that's how change happens. And um, it's kind of serendipitous that today actually Kazin um, made a public statement apologizing for um, towards Indigenous people, Métis, Inuit in Canada um, for colonial harms resulting from nursing education. And I was like, oh, it's interesting that that came out today and we get to, to talk about that. So that feels special that we're making progress. Um, take away that meaningful change can happen, that not it's not just this daunting piece that can feel overwhelming, but there are strides being made. And I think that we're seeing that as well. And so that's encouraging. Um, and like I mentioned before, um, equipping students to respond thoughtfully and professionally when racism and injustice does occur. That was a takeaway, just that that is a goal. And I think a shared goal for nursing schools across Canada that we really want to graduate nurses who are um, thoughtful um, representatives of the nursing profession, but also powerful within their communities that they live in. That's really wonderful to hear. And um a question as well, oftentimes, you know, I, I'm quite interested in EDI as well, and it's something I'm quite passionate about, but um, you, you, sometimes people are hesitant because they, they're afraid to make mistakes. Have either of you encountered that in the work that you're doing? I think so. I think nurse educators, we want to get it right. And I think when we're working in the clinical setting, there might be a very small margin for error. So sometimes in the nursing education world, we have a little bit more flexibility in the way that we deliver our lessons, the way we explore topics, but we still bring our perfectionist selves to the way that we teach and we want to do well by the, the clients we serve and the students that we're working with. And sometimes out of fear, maybe um, educators or faculty um, don't want to get it wrong. So they hesitate to step out of their comfort zones um, when it comes to acknowledging racism and um, having open conversation and dialogue with their students about experiences they've had with racism. So. I agree. It's challenging in particular in the clinical setting where I feel like a mothering nature maybe in my style of teaching is that I want to protect them from these awful experiences that they could potentially have. We have had students from minority groups in the hospital settings and have had negative experiences with patients that we've assigned them to take care of. And my initial response is that I want to pull them out of that so they don't have to have that negative experience as a second year nursing student. But um, just after attending the conference and thinking about this a little bit more as it really is um, recognizing racism for what it is and giving them a toolkit for how to respond in a professional way. And do we need to take them out of the room sometimes? Maybe yes, because it's just not appropriate. The, the conversations that are happening in the room, I'm not letting you touch me because of the color of your skin or because of your cultural background. It, it's such an injustice that it, you know, it really fires me up. But I also recognize that we want to be able to teach them that professional response. And, and it's challenging. And I can't say I've always got it right, but um, we're working towards that as the goal. Liz, are there additional considerations when developing curriculum to support Indigenous communities? I think so. So we've talked a lot about this in um, some of the circles I sit in at Lethbridge College, as well as in nursing education, that we really are in a process of looking at the colonial system of post-secondary and how um, with our populations that we serve that are diverse, whether it's Indigenous populations or um, some of the diverse newcomers we see coming to Canada, that they are not as familiar with that colonial style of education, nor is it the right fit for everybody. Um, so I think we need to continue to explore how we 
we teach, um, the approaches that we're taking with our students, um, the approaches we're role modeling for them in the clinical setting, like Danielle said, and how we're supporting students when they're in the clinical setting. We don't want to do this in a tokenistic way where um, we potentially, you know, say we've consulted an elder checkbox, right? We want to make sure we're building ongoing relationships with our diverse um, populations and communities, um, asking for ongoing feedback, um, and ensuring that over time that we continue to grow and evolve our curriculum and grow and evolve our skills as educators, um, that we're meeting the needs um, of our future um, registered nurses. Um, and I think that openness, that we're not always going to get it right the first time. And just like Danielle said, in the clinical setting with her students, or if it's in a classroom or simulation. Sometimes the words might not come out of an educator's mouth as poised as we mean for it to. Um, but again, acknowledging we're learning, we're relearning, um, and how important that is. Um, and I think just creating that safe environment for um, educators to talk about things that are maybe going well in their class, but also things that they, they know they could improve when it comes to equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, Danielle mentioned earlier about how a new position statement just came out and a public apology um, with regards to Indigenous um, individuals and communities and how they've been treated in the past um, in nursing education and by nursing. Um, I also think we have a variety of other um, documents and position statements that um, Causen has created that can help support our work um, when it comes to working with diverse populations. We also have a variety of interest groups as well that nurse educators can join um, to have these thoughtful conversations from a national perspective. Um, in my chair role, this is some of the conversation that I've um, been involved with with provincial registered nursing groups as well as nationally. Um, again, these are heavy topics like Danielle mentioned. Um, often you, you kind of walk back to your hotel room or back to your office after these conversations and, and you feel heavy because you know that nursing could do better and um, that we have this historical um, tradition of some racism and we really want to um, just open up those conversations, acknowledge um, that we want to do better going forward. So. I like that you mentioned um you know some of the conversations that have happened and that's a great example that the organization the organization set by issuing that apology, because that does show that example of, you know, yes, we sometimes we make mistakes. So this is, you know, what we can do to try and, and grow and learn and, and improve. Alongside integrating the those Indigenous principles, what are some other EDI principles that you're uh, working on adopting into the curriculum? And um, this goes back to a takeaway from the conference, and it might be a question to for you, Donna, or, or Liz, as well, is just... Um, students with disabilities. So traditionally, it's been a challenge in nursing because there's such a physical and mental demand when you're in the clinical setting to perform essentially. Um, and what that could look like with students living with different disabilities, whether that's mental health disabilities or physical disabilities, and there are some great presentations. Um, I would say the presentations at the conference were more about awareness and recognizing that we haven't always done a very good job of pro providing accommodations, essentially. I don't know if you can speak to that disability part. Well, I think so. I think we are seeing many more students entering the nursing profession who have um, diverse brains and diverse learning styles and how um, we as educators, we want to help students to explore how they learn the best, how they can function the best in the nursing profession. Um, so rather than expecting everyone should think the same way or look the same way or act the same way, um, those more invisible disabilities, um, we need to acknowledge and support students um, in their journeys as 
future registered nurses during their time with us in the um, nursing program. I also think just like Danielle mentioned, like not everybody will have the same physical abilities. So if we have students again with um, vision changes, hearing changes, things like that, we want to look outside the box of how we can support them during their time with us. Um, not everybody is going to work as a bedside nurse in the future as well. Um, so Again, we sometimes think of nursing in the more traditional roles that registered nurses will play. Um, some nurses might never work in a hospital. They might choose to work in a community-based setting or work in a digital um, consultation office, things like that. So those, um, those traditional structures of where registered nurses work, um, we're moving away from that. And although there'll always be a place, I'm sure, for acute care nursing, um, there's so many other places in society that registered nurses um, can have significant impact. Absolutely. One thing that this also brings to mind is our use of hi-fi simulation and also looking to gamification for ways that we can um, have students in these simulated environments where they are specifically learning about um, EDI concepts. And it's a challenge and it's recognized even in some of the literature around this that we don't want to feed the tokenism like Liz mentioned or even have students buy more into these kind of racist um, ideas of certain minority groups, for example. So even um, creating the scenarios, we have to be really mindful about who these characters are that we're creating, that these students are going to be engaging with, and what kind of learning outcomes do we want to see? Um, what's our goal here? So um, it, it has really been an advantage to have those as learning tools and learning activities that we can use because we can't always have the, the clinical experience for every single student, but when we can create these um, simulated stories for them, it's a powerful tool, or tool to bring up um, conversations. And then we have talking circles afterwards, for example, pulling from Indigenous culture, name, naming it talking circles, but some really powerful conversations afterwards. Um, there's also in the literature mention of cultural awareness um, is the first step towards cultural safety. And so I think, um, this might be another question for you, Donna, is if you've heard much about lands-based learning because it's coming up a lot in um, nursing education now as a, a topic to deconstruct these colonial systems that we're educating in and how can we um, have students have these more cultural experiences, whether that's an Indigenous experience or uh, lots of the other cultures we have represented here in Canada um, so that we can have the, um, not just students but faculty also engaged and um, really prepared to teach when we want EDI to be a focus in our curriculum. Uh, that's a great question. And um, I don't know if I've specifically worked with, with land space, but I have worked um, on the Indigenous policing uh, program here at the college, and that was very much focused on the culture in this area. So very much the Indigenous culture um, around Lethbridge and Southern Alberta, the Nitsitapi, um, and we spent a lot of time talking with the community, um, you know, elders and, and represented, and so the community really had a very strong voice in those courses and in that program. And so I think that probably is an important piece, um, you know, that each Indigenous community is different. They're not all the same. And so really, you know, working, you know, talking with the people in the area where you are. 
Absolutely. That was highlighted for me when I was at the Kazan conference, because of course there's just so many different indigenous groups represented across Canada. And I think Liz had the same experience when she just, she just got back from Ontario recently. Um, and yeah, just really making sure that you're speaking to um, the lands that you're coming from and teaching from and the, the populations that you're serving as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, um, it's a wonderful opportunity and, and I, and, for myself, I was honored to be part of that and, and to learn from the elders in this area. I have a question, uh, another question as well. Um, in listening to what you were talking about, um, of kind of your own perspectives, and, and you were mentioning stories and also being having the awareness of your own privilege, and um, a topic that I have recently started learning about is positionality. And so positionality, as I have come to learn about it, is our position, our our identity, both socially and personally in the world. So, you know, has to do with things like age and our language and, um, you know, religion, spirituality, ethnic background, all of those different, um, you know, our ability, all the different things that make us who they are, who we are. And that really relates to kind of um, what you were talking about in the subjects. Have you come across this term? I'd be curious to know what your experience with it has been. Probably the most that I've come across it was actually just at this year's Kazan conference, just um, the difference from maybe if we went to a conference five years ago versus now is positionality is really being woven into the presentations that we're listening to. And, and we really are more mindful even at the beginning of the school year when we're introducing ourselves to our new nursing students and when we're having them introduce themselves. Um, one new thing that I took from a colleague of mine is just um, having students also recognize, um, introduce themselves um, with their pronouns as well right off the bat so I can know and honor that and be respectful of how they want to be identified right from the first day of our, our school year, our term. Um, I don't know if you can speak more to that, Liz. Yeah, I think when we're acknowledging our positionality, we're looking at the power or privilege that we uh, might have as educators and nurses. Um, I know with some of my work in my um, doctorate, that's been an important piece is to acknowledge um, where I am situated in relationship to my research participants and the focus of my work. So I think, again, when we consider who we are as mothers, um, as wives, as educators, as nurses, we, we all hold so many different hats in um, our day-to-day lives. Um, so if we can acknowledge for our students a little bit of who we are and what we're bringing to the classroom, um, nobody knows everything about every subject, um, but it allows students to kind of know a little bit about our lenses of the world and and what we're bringing to the table and, and to their, their nursing education journey. So. That's really well said. And um, yeah, I feel like that positionality is really an important piece with EDI. Um, so alongside your experiences, has there been a mindset shift in the nursing profession? It sounds like there has, but but what has been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. We spoke about this before um, our podcast today is that we're really seeing this movement and change happening alongside of our curriculum rolling out, essentially. So in the past, um, I think it would have been a very uncomfortable conversation to have with a group of nurses to acknowledge that there is racism in our past in Canada, as well as in our more recent past in nursing education as well. Um, but we've 
more openly acknowledge this. We've had um, some professional development with our faculty as well in this regard. And I think we're looking to how we can do better um, when it comes to our hiring practices, how we can support our diverse learners um, during their journey at Lethbridge College and on to the University of Lethbridge. Um, and we have that commitment to ongoing improvement and accountability um, by acknowledging that this is something that we need to improve as opposed to um, having a blind eye to our past. Um, or our past practices. Ultimately, I want to create a safe space for our educators, for our students. That's the way that we'll see our profession continue to thrive. And I really want that for my team and that we um, can have open conversation, honest conversation, sometimes shed some tears about the challenges that we're encountering in nursing education. Um, and then we can move forward stronger as opposed to, again, not acknowledging um, the history of the profession or not acknowledging the challenges we face sometimes as educators, it's so hard to grow and um, do better if we don't have those open conversations. Where do you envision this effort taking learners, instructors, and pedagogy as a whole? That's a big question. It's a great question. Liz actually posed a question similar in our last faculty meeting, <laughs> our NISA meeting. Um, we really want to graduate nursing students who are not only professional and wonderful in their careers, but also build powerful communities. And we've mentioned that before, but um, I think there's so much when we just start talking about EDI strategy that just makes you a better human overall, right? And how you treat others. And one of the big takeaway words I had, for example, from this conference was humility, that we also are... Um, teaching from a place of humility and hopefully that learners recognize that humility is such a powerful word when we think about EDI strategies. I really like that. I, I haven't heard that before, but that's a wonderful way to think of it. I think another piece is helping our students to acknowledge their implicit biases, right? So we have conversation with them prior to them entering into the clinical setting. And um, some of that is their discovery of, you know, their positionality, um, their life experience, their privilege, um, so that they're able to... Um, meet their clients where they're at, but also be really thoughtful in the way that they push themselves out of their comfort zone and grow in their thinking during their time here at Lethbridge College and on to the University of Lethbridge as well. So it's not that we don't have biases, but that we want um, students to acknowledge them and also stretch their thinking beyond um, where they are today, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful way to guide students and, and help them through that. And I w I'm sure the conversations must be quite... Uh, interesting um, and change over time too. I mean, with all of us, our positionality changes. Um, okay, so to wrap up, where can listeners learn more about what you're doing? Well, as you can tell, we're so passionate about this work as our colleagues um, in the Faculty of Nursing. So we're always open for a cup of coffee, having some conversation about what's happening in our classrooms, in our labs, and in the clinical settings. Um, going forward, I know we have a lot of um, great ideas we'd love to see entering into um, publications in the future, being shared at upcoming conferences. Um, and I think some work that we need to do as a nursing program is being able to share um, the great work that we're doing with the public in a more easy to locate place. Did you want to add anything? 
No, that's great. I was just actually listening to another nurse leader on a podcast earlier this week, and she said we need to take values um, from institutions and organizations and move them from the walls to the halls. And I like that. <laughs> it's just a good little saying that it's not, it's actions speak louder than words, essentially, right? That we need to not only just talk about this, but really see, see actions. And we hope that we are a part of that and that we can build some momentum, not only in our nursing faculty, but that, that spread, you know, college-wide. And we see that this good work happening across our campus and across Alberta and Canada. And it's just really exciting to see. I think it's wonderful if you um, do have an opportunity and ways that you can share it, because you're right, it, it, it goes beyond nursing. You know, I, I work with many different areas within the college and subject areas, and and they're all looking at similar things to what you are. And so, you know, if you've got some great examples, as you do, and, and things that they can look at and follow, that's really helpful for others. And, and then everyone can join in on that conversation, too. Absolutely. We're happy to do that. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today on the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm, I'm excited to learn more about, uh, as I say, I've been learning about positionality recently and so I've been uh, really going down a rabbit hole. So I'm excited to hear what you've had to say about that and EDI as well. And uh, so thank you very much. Thanks, Donna. Thanks for your time. This episode featured Donna McLaughlin as host and Liz Sirnagoy and Danielle Aikens as guests. Jordana Gagnon was our producer. Ryan Robinson was our sound technician and editor. Thank you also to Janice Michelle and Kelsey Jansen for their ongoing support and expertise. Our podcast is funded by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation and recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. For more episodes, head to our website, learninginnovation.ca. Thanks for listening and take care.